0: I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. and welcome to another episode of the reimagined schools podcast a proud member of the education podcast network i'm your host greg goins and my special guest today is glenn robbins a longtime school administrator in the state of new jersey who currently serves as the superintendent of the brigantine school district a part of the six mile brigantine island off the atlantic ocean coast of new jersey located just a short drive from atlantic city Glenn Robbins was named a 2016 National Digital Principal of the Year. He currently serves as a National Advocacy Board Member for the American Association of School Administrators. He's also the recipient of the Student Voice Award from the State Educational Technology Directors Association. With a student-centered focus on design thinking and personalized learning, Glenn Robbins is a national leader in the makerspace movement and a strong advocate For changing school space, converting hallways into idea streets, an innovative learning model that he picked up from the famed Stanford University D School. I'm proud to call Glenn Robbins a friend, so it was great to catch up and talk about all the challenges superintendents face today with COVID 19 during these very challenging times. Before we get to this episode, I want to tell you about my friends at the Illinois Digital Educators Alliance, our official sponsor for the month of April. IDEA is the largest organization in Illinois devoted to the use of technology in education, and it serves as an ISTE affiliate. Once again, I'm proud to share this message from the Illinois Digital Educators Alliance. You know, we all know that technology helps open the doors to new learning. We at IDEA are happy to partner with organizations like Birdbrain Technologies, Spiro, and Next Wave STEM to help put students in the driver's seat of their own learning. Check out our website at IDEAillinois.org for more details on how to host an event. So be sure to check out the website and connect with my friends at the Illinois Digital Educators Alliance. My conversation with Glenn Robbins begins right now. Hello, good everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. My special guest today is an outstanding school superintendent in the state of New Jersey. He's a former National Digital Principal of the Year. A big welcome to Glenn Robbins. How are you, Glenn? I'm great, Great, Greg. Thanks for having me today. Uh, It's so good to connect with you again. Um, Unlike a lot of my guests that I don't have an opportunity to actually meet in person in this Twitterverse we all live in, you and I actually did meet face-to-face in Philadelphia several years ago at an ISTE conference. And ironically, we were both sitting in a podcast session. So it's funny how uh, things circle far. back like that, <laughs> isn't it?
1: Yeah. And and funny enough, I was actually sitting like two or three chairs behind you, directly behind you in a large room. What, what are the odds of that? You know. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. So, and we, we had a good time talking and, and uh, you know, our, our mutual friend, Jeff Bradbury was presenting and we talked about podcasting and And, um, you know, you've had great success, both as a principal and now as a superintendent. But, you know, let's just start with this crazy world we're in right now. Uh, You know, how are you and the family doing and the quarantine and what's the vibe like in your area? Well,
1: we're up in New Jersey, so it's uh, definitely uh, the Epic Center. I hate to say that, but that's kind of the reality where we are in the Northeast. Um, you know the vibe is good. I think the vibe is every day we have a um an opportunity for a new day. every day we get to wake up and smile um, you know right now with my family, I have an eight year old son uh, who's going through remote or electronic or whatever kind of schooling you'd like to call it and then I have a four month old daughter and that's been a unique circumstance in itself, trying to help him with his schooling while she's trying to eat and or be a baby and crying. And, um, you know, also trying to run a school district. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting day every day. But I have to say that I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have an amazing family around me. And uh, I'm blessed to have a lot of friends such as yourself across the country that I can talk to, you know, whenever I need to just talk or vent or whatever it may be. So.
0: Yeah, you know, we, it wasn't too long ago. You know, we were, you know, January, February. Life was normal. We were going to ball games, and, you know, planning for great spring activities. And lo and behold, we just get kind of sucker punch with this invisible virus that brings everyone to our knees. I was talking to some superintendents and principals here in Kentucky recently. There's not a pandemic playbook for school leaders, so you just kind of had to figure this out as it's happening. And this is historical. I mean, you know, we're going to be reading about this for years to come. Uh, it's going to be a hot topic, but you just can't plan for something like this. So, how have you navigated all the uncertainty?
1: Well, I think. This is something that, um, like you said, it's been unique. It's uh, something unprecedented. And I think about this right now, this podcast, like this is a captioning in time, real time, of what's going on for schools across the country. So bravos to you as you continue doing that. Um, You know what? So, being a leader, you cannot go back to your old three ring binder. You can't go back to the traditional playbook that you've been successful with for so many times. And you're trying to look for people to give you guidance. But in a way, you have to look at compassion and grace uh, before some compliance issues first. You know, this is a human being issue, uh, first and foremost. You know, so when this all started coming down the pike, um, and I know you probably heard me mention this before. We, we got together with all the main individuals on our Brigantine Island and uh, brought an administrative team together with our chiefs of police and fire and OEM and, you know, the mayor and the board of ed and, and, and public works and, and everybody you can name of on the island. And we worked together as one um, to have a collective mission and vision throughout this whole time. And we said that throughout this whole process, we're going to continue to communicate because we realized, you know, where there is no communication, where that void starts to fill. But we also realized that, you know, our first and number one priority is the people in our community. And that includes our staff members and everybody else in the outreach to the community because we were afraid, you know, you can see in the picture behind me on the Zoom chat, you know, is Atlantic City. And we have a lot of families that work there. And those casinos close, you know. So, you know, right there we had like we were afraid, you know, weeks ahead of what the job market would start looking like. And now we're considering what it's going to look like for, you know, months or under years to come, that economic recovery as well as the mental health recovery. So, you know, we've been focused on making sure that everybody's okay every day and calling and checking and saying, it's all right to have a bad day. It's okay that, you know, you don't feel great every day, but just realize you've got people here for you that want to help you every single day. And, you know, we're all there for this common cause and for the same team. So Like I said, it's it's more about being a compassionate and graceful human being right now than being the superintendent of a school.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know you have a great staff there. You know, I follow you on Twitter and and you share out things all the time. And kudos to you guys for all rallying together in a a really important time of need. But I know you're also a kid, kid first type of school administrator. And I was also talking to some, some folks the other day uh, here locally and someone asked the question It was very poignant you know, what's the best thing you could do for kids right now? And, and I thought about that, and I, certainly I want to get your take. But if you had the time, and I think we all have a little extra downtime now that we're shuttered in during the mm-hmm. pandemic. But let's say you have 25 kids in a third grade class. The best thing you can do is pick up the phone and call those homes and talk to the parent, maybe even talk to the kid and just check in on them and see how they're doing. It doesn't take a real long time to make 25 phone calls, even if you split it up over the course of two or three days. And just the the pure joy of that child actually listening to the teacher's voice again and to say, hey, I love you, I miss you, are you doing okay? I think that goes a long way to helping kids during – you know, they're also struggling with what's going on. I I mean, yeah, they're probably glad they're not in school – But they also miss each other, and they miss the adults in the building.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. That was one of our first things. We had a couple faculty meetings before we closed, and that's what we talked about. And that was my message to my staff is basically you remember why you got into this profession back in college or whatever it may be when you jumped from a first profession to this profession. It was for the love and joy of children and helping trying to make their lives a better life. And I said, if any time they're going to make memories, this is going to be it. You know, you have to be that calm, collective, consistent voice that every time that you talk to them, you know, they're going to be looking to you for some kind of positivity, you know, and they're going to need it more than ever. Um, yeah, the phone calls are instrumental, whether it's a Zoom or Google Meet or Skype or Teams or whatever platform you're using, you know. Just saying, hey, how are you? You know, I miss you. I love you. That goes such a long way. And, and I'm seeing and I'm hearing, unfortunately, some sad stories, too, that, you know, not every student's getting that, you know, and not every teacher is getting that. Not every administrator is getting that from, you know, the higher ups. It's, we have to be, continue to reach out to each and every person in our organizations and our communities to say, hey, how are you? But I'm hearing stories of people still getting emails saying, hey, your work is late. And not once has that a teacher ever called and or tried to do a Zoom or whatever to say, hey, how are you? You know, it goes back to the old cliche. You can't teach anybody or you can't make anything happen until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's showing there in a way that the kids see that we care. They're going to want to do something bigger and better. And I think, too. You know, it's a. like I said, it goes to the teachers and it goes to the, and to the administrators from my position down and vice versa. Up. I feed off of that. And, you know, one of the things that I do weekly is I bring in a gift of guest speaker as a pep talk for 30 minutes at the max for my staff to try to recharge them and say, hey, I appreciate you guys. I can't always give you all the resources, but maybe this individual can. And I've had some amazing people come on Uh, once a week since this has all happened, because that's my focus, is I got to continue to recharge an amazing staff that is doing much more than just teaching. You know, they're doing, you know, almost like therapeutic work. They're actually being a counselor. They're being social workers. They're trying to help out with food. They're helping out with language barriers and helping out with technology. Oh, yeah. And by the way, they also have how many kids in their own household while they're trying to do this, you know, uh, one of the first things I did that first week was I sent out a video to my staff with my eight-year-old over my shoulder, my baby on my other shoulder, my dog on the other side of the couch saying, hey, it's real, I get it, I'm in the same boat as you, and we're going to take this day by day, but like I said, it goes back to that old cliche, if you don't show somebody you love them, you know, the hell with you, I'm not doing any of your work, let alone trying to do anything else, man, it's, it's so important, if more than ever, compassion and grace. You know and, and these relationships are being built today that will internally last for a lifetime if not more
0: Yeah, and you've always been a digital leader, and I've always admired that about you, and I I know that you did a Facebook Live when this first broke to kind of make yourself accessible, and I I know there are still a lot of people that would never do that in a school leadership role because they're afraid of the comments they would get or how it would, would be perceived, but talking about this positivity Zoom session, I mean, I think that's a brilliant idea because teachers need to be lifted as well during this time because they're down, and just to rally the troops, and I know you've had Uh, our mutual friend Tom Murray on. You've had Don Mm -hmm. Wettrick. You've had some pretty uh, influential, positive people to speak with those folks. And I'm also seeing the positive feedback from your staff on Twitter that they're really getting something out of it. So kudos to you for doing that. Is that something that, you know, just kind of the light bulb went off and said this is what we need to do? Or did you kind of have that in mind to begin with? Or how did that play out?
1: You know, uh, it's kind of like all the above. And and you capture so many things from social media. And you see all these great things that are going on in different schools. And, uh, you know, to to those individuals that you mentioned, and I also have Lavana Roth coming up. The first person that jumped on was Tim Needles. um, And Tim is an art teacher, a mindfulness coach, who is amazing. And he's stuck in the actual epic center of New York City in the area. So, and for those individuals to donate their time, it speaks about why we got an education to begin with. And, and, um, you know, I even reached out to uh, John Gordon, the famous, renowned author and speaker, and he's going to join us as well. So, you know, as a challenge to anybody out there listening, if you want to come on and try to uplift my staff, I would love to have you. So please hit me up on a, on a Twitter or an email, whatever it may be. But, you know, I guess you could say the idea kind of came from, uh, you know, i watched a lot of TV and I read a lot of books and, you know, very big on John Gordon books and Maxwell, um. You know, and Ryan Holiday and Robert Greene, you know, trying to utilize, Robert Greene says it best, the alive time versus the dead time. What are you doing during that alive time to really be something proactive instead of just making it dead time and just vegging off of Netflix the whole day long and doing nothing productive? And I also talked to the, the show Billions, and I always would see in that show in the very first couple seasons was they had a coach. And that coach was constantly pumping them up and constantly getting them back out into the field. And they wanted to, you know, rejuvenate it and go out there and do all over again. And I said, why can't we do something with that for my staff, you know, pump them up, recharge them, tell them how much they're appreciated. And then let them go back to these families who also need that extra spark and charge. So a little bit of everything above, but I think that's the joy of, social media, and technology today. You have, you can take so many different ideas and make them what's best for your community.
0: And you guys also do a really good job of using video. Uh, I was watching a video this morning uh, getting ready for our conversation. You did the Snapchat quarantine chronicles, and I watched about a 15-minute video this morning. That was just, it was wonderful. It really kind of brightened my day. Can you talk about kind of that idea and, and why that's important as well?
1: Well, I th- think it's... <laughs> It's exponential, and it's so amazing. We have an incredible gym teacher uh, named Mindy, and Mindy had been doing these videos, supposedly for years, and like I said, I've only been a brig for a short time, Uh, but, you know, when she first hit us up with the video, uh, like the first week after this all started saying, you know, how can we pump up the community and get them involved more, I said, you know, let's let's just go for it. Let's run with it. So myself, the principal, the of curriculum, Mindy Raw, and I emailed we gave her to run and said, "Go for it, you know, nonstop." And, and then our principal came up with a brilliant idea, which is, seems to be catching on to I mean, some of the other schools about the, you know, the rainbows in the windows to inspire hope, you know, that someday that you know that something better will be coming along. So all we had rainbows everywhere. We created a Facebook page for rainbows, and whole community's gotten involved. They're painting rocks. They're painting the chalk, you know. And then we did the following week. We did the hearts you know, and it was a heart because we love all the first responders and so forth. But these are what the ideas are coming from the teachers, you know, and and Mindy heads that up. So, you know, every school has so many amazing people that work with them. And, you know, if you stifle them, these things don't come to life. But if you say run with it and let's empower and make our staff, and make our community better, go for it. And I'm beyond thankful for her and for my staff and for my administrators for doing this because I talked to our police force you know every other day just to check up and see how things are going on in the actual community and the overall response I keep getting is thank you for that rainbow trail thank you for these videos it is and thank you for your teachers constantly reaching out to check with our families because it is definitely making a difference for our community and that goes a long way when you hear that from a police officer when you think of all the other things that could be going on in the community.
0: And that, that's great stuff. And folks, if you want to check out all the wonderful things that are happening in uh, Glen Robbins School District, you can follow him on Twitter at GlenR1809. Uh, there's a wealth of information there. And uh, he's, he's a great follow and also a great resource for all of you in a leadership position or just an educator looking to improve your practice. So, uh, Glen, let's talk, jump into the technology piece a little bit here. Two things that bother me, I guess, is some of the terminology we're using. I'm not a big fan of remote learning or distance learning because to me it implies that true learning only happens in the classroom in to out. I would prefer the term online learning because you look at something like a Khan Academy, online learning has been prevalent for a long time. We just need to embrace this idea that it's not an add-on or something extra. It's a legitimate form of teaching and learning if we would just embrace that concept.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, this is something that myself and, you know, the, the handful of many others out there in Twitterverse and social media that have been saying for years, you know, we've been trying to push for Technology, not just, you know, to be a tool that could accelerate learning. And, you know, with all the other terminologies that you could have before the word learning, uh, why can't we just call it learning? You know, here it is, 2020. It's, it's, It's learning. You know, if you were doing it before, when you were doing Google Classroom, you know, you were already doing lessons. You were already doing learning outside of the school setting. You know, I have friends who are teachers who said that, you know, during, like, debates for politicians, kids would be on Google Classroom all night long talking about the debate. You know, think about that, that constant communication that's been going on. So you're seeing, uh, I personally, believe, you're seeing people who had struggled for years in that traditional mold, who now actually have to exponentially jump forward, and they've done an amazing job with that, to what's going to be next. You know, this is learning right now on in April, in 2020, what's it gonna look like in the summer? Or what's it gonna look like in September or during January as this world continues to evolve? So we take some of the amazing things we've done in the past and we don't throw that away, but we continue to evolve on that. You know, And I, I think about a um, couple conversations I've been listening to recently and some books that I've read before. And I thought about this the other day. I was thinking that when I was in my one building, we put a Lego board up in the hallway and I had a teacher say to me, you know, well, what if the kids want to be out in the Lego board the whole time instead of coming to my class? And I, my response at the time, and I guess I was a little short with her, and I said, well, how bad does your lesson suck that they don't want to come to your class? And, you know, at the time, it was like, whoa, I can't believe you said that. But at the same time, it was, whoa, maybe I need to be a little more energetic or, you know, different lessons or more engaging into that particular class. So now you're hearing of kids that are, you know, not zooming in or not going into the actual lessons itself. I totally understand the equity issue. We have our own equity issues as well, but push that aside for a minute. Think about the other kids that don't have that. Is this a way that they're telling us that our weren't as engaging as they should have been? You know, or they, they could be better? You know, it's like Gabe Burgess said years ago, could you sell tickets for a lesson? And would kids, if they had to come to your class, would they go to your class or somebody else's? You know, I got my son, who he, he jumped in a couple of different classes, um, with other schools around the state that are talking about Minecraft and Fortnite and how to design it, you know, and he's, I went up to his room before I jumped on with you and I said, Hey buddy, what are you doing? And he was done all his work for a day. And this teacher has been amazing. But he said, you know, I'm working on a game right now with all my buddies and these kids are from all over the country. They're all eight, nine, 10 years old. And he so we're trying to work on the part right now where uh, Epic games can pick it up and put it as a new world in Fortnite for us dad. So it's like, you know, those are the type of things that are engaging, and that, and that's something that when I had Don come on with my staff, and my staff has been absolutely amazing with this, but you know, like, what project could these kids be doing that we should be asking them? You know, what entice you right now? Do you want to start a podcast? Do you want to start a YouTube channel, a Twitch channel? You know, do you want to be a, uh, a, a journalist of some sort and reach out to people and start interviewing because they're all home? You know, do you want to create something for the betterment of others? So- you know, I call it learning today, and there's so many things that can continue to evolve from just this moment
0: yeah, and you know I also find it interesting uh, as I you know follow different teachers on Twitter, uh, everyone has discovered this new magical tool called Zoom, and you know you and I have been using <laughs> been Skype for years. <laughs> Skype and Google Hangout for years, and it 's the same thing, and it took a <laughs> pandemic for people to discover. Uh, you know these free digital tools that you can actually use for teaching and learning and I I chuckle a little bit and I hope our listeners don't take that the wrong way but I I just find it fascinating that it took an emergency situation to to land on some of that stuff yeah but you know my
1: hope is that we continue to build off of that you know that we don't go back to um, all right let's do everything exactly the same again you know the question should be is like you know why am I doing this right now with my current class today? Why I'm stuck at home? And what is successful from this? And what can I take away from this to continue to build on this? You know, how can I take this into an actual brick and mortar setting? Or how do we continue to make this truly blended uh, as we continue to move forward? You know, so like I said, there's a bunch of opportunities that come from this. And I'm excited that people are realizing that Zoom's been out for years and they're just finally realizing it. And, you know, no fault to them. Maybe they didn't have you know, and let's be honest, Greg, they didn't have the leadership to push them to do that. You know, maybe they didn't have the curriculum to push them to have that. Maybe they didn't have the vision to do that. You know, there's there so many different reasons why, you know, people could not have had these different tools. Or let's also think about, too, that all these tools are free now. You know, so what happens after these months of, you know, lockdown are over and all of a sudden they become of cost again? You know, so then the school districts have to start to evaluate again. How much money do we have? And what tools do we truly need to help us propel our educational learning? So that's going to be a tricky situation moving forward, because when this is over, I can only imagine the wish list that every teacher in the country is going to have would give their administrators saying, we need to have this. And the scary thing that I'm concerned about is whether or not the money will be there to be able to buy those types of tools to help us.
0: Yeah. And I think it's relatively safe to say that by and large, most schools weren't prepared for what we're going through right now. I mean, you may have, Uh, There may have been some touch points with flipped learning or flipped classrooms or using video for instruction. But by and large, I think a lot of people just were unprepared. Uh, And I know one of the pain points that a lot of districts are going through with this, let's call it online learning, is uh, let's get everybody together at 10 o'clock and we're going to have math. And that's not the way it works in the household with parents, some of them essential workers and a lot of different things going on. And I think I've even heard you talk about we need to move to a more asynchronous approach to online learning.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. That's something we've been right from the get-go is because, you know, we do have frontline responders still going out. And the enormous amount of stress that they have, um, I couldn't even fathom to think of you know, and or families that are losing their jobs right now, and or like mine, like I said, I have a baby. And if you were to tell me that my son had to be on a certain time every day, it probably wouldn't happen because I know that one time is when she's usually colicky and I can't get her to stop crying. You know, so, you know, we just need to be mindful that even though our house looks so perfect from the outside and you think that families are saying, hey, everything's okay, you got to be mindful that things may not be okay. You know, that, you know, there is a lot of mental struggles going on. And every day this continues to go on. It eats at people one way or another. We can do mindfulness. We can go for exercises. I've been saying it for a while and I keep saying it. Here we are late in April and it feels like it's still, you know, February times up in New Jersey and the sun's been in quarantine. You know, the, just the weather has put a damper on things. And I think we just need to be mindful of that, that learning should take place at any time anywhere it shouldn't have to be at just 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. you know and if there's kids you know can't be there are you recording the lesson that you can actually show the teacher you know the kids later or they can catch up on or you know we just you know there's people who are dealing with sickness and death right now you know so how do you even ask them to try to jump on you you're hoping that they do for some kind of normalcy but you know very well that their mind is not going to be there mentally for that lesson. You know, so that's a struggle. We just have to be very careful and mindful of everything that's going on and, and, and think about it as humans first, you know, as a human being first, you know, am I really helping every family? Um, and I have to put my, my ignorance and my privilege aside to realize what's truly going on in this world.
0: And and, you know, once again, it took a global pandemic to really shine the light again on the digital divide. I was just looking at stats here this week, we have 51 million public school students, 12 million of those are without broadband internet at home. So, I mean, that's a, that was a surprising number for me. And I'm someone that, that tries to stay abreast of what's going on in the tech world. So that, that was kind of a shocker. You know, how do you address those concerns? Obviously, you can't, you don't have a magic wand. You can't fix that. But I mean, you have to come up with some solution and that's where you put your leadership hat on and try to figure out plan B. Yeah,
1: yeah. My last district, uh, I immediately met with the uh, mayor and we quickly try to go after Verizon, basically saying, hey, we need some kind of internet connectivity for these families. Because we were in the deep of the heart of the Pine Barrens, There's is a uh, national reserve. You cannot build there, can't cut down the trees and so forth. We have families spread out. And then, we, you know, where I am now on this island that's behind me in the Zoom picture is that, you know, not everybody does have internet connectivity. So... Luckily for us, we have Comcast up here and they weighed a lot of fees and then there's the Xfinity hotspots around on the island that we were gracious enough to have from our amazing uh, public people that, you know, our municipalities that they put there. But at the same time, not some of the signals can reach that far. So we had to reach out to families saying, hey, if you're a T-Mobile or Verizon or, you know, Metro, they're giving out 15 to 20 gigs a month on their phone for free as a hotspot, you can utilize that. So, you know, you have to help each and every family out. But that's a frustration. And I I thought this the other day, and I have a lot of friends like you and I have mutually. and We talk about this digital divide now. I've been there for years. But I think maybe, hopefully, something that will help propel this, besides obviously what's going on now in this world, was that recently the NFL just tried to do a mock draft. And all the coaches in the GMs are coming out saying, the broadband wasn't strong enough. My kid was playing a game upstairs, and I got kicked off my, my draft. You know, and or you know, I I got kicked off my Zoom chat or whatever they were using. And all I kept saying was, welcome to the world of teachers and educators across this country right now who are trying so hard to work with our children. And now you're experiencing the same thing. So maybe, wouldn't it be nice if the NFL put some money towards the digital divide and or, you know, tackles onto the Congress as well? You know, we're all in the same boat. We need that you know, before it was uh, for gaming and it's for this and that. Now we're looking at it from the connectivity aspect of trying to continue to propel a society forward.
0: Yeah. And I was just thinking the other day, you know, the stimulus check is nice and you know, that's going to be just a a small monetary amount to kind of help maybe build spirit, but why can't we donate that money to schools uh, in a lot of cases to help with, things like digital divide and some of the you know meal programs and there's a lot going on and everyone's trying to do the best that they can at the state level and the federal level and there are a lot of armchair quarterbacks and I know people are getting restless as to what's going to happen next some states are talking about reopening maybe too soon Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how things play out but I know here in Kentucky we have uh, school leaders chomping at the bit to begin planning to put the pieces back together and I would assume it's that way everywhere and, I, and I'm sure you're, you stay up late at night thinking about what's next. The one thing, and I know this is going to irk some people, the one thing that really concerns me the most when we do come back is the lost instructional time and so if I was a superintendent today, you know, if, if let's say you have a second grader and that second grader has missed, you know, 60 days of instruction do you put them in the the, the following grade that when school resumes? Uh, is that teacher going to have to go back and review all the content that was missed? Uh, is it going to be a hybrid of both? I mean, it's not going to be a popular decision either way. And so I, I really feel for people like you that are in that position. But what are your general thoughts on, you know, what does it look like when we put things back together?
1: Well, the question is when does it come back together? You know, we, in Jersey, we have not officially – Close physically for the rest of the year like many states have done across the country you know and we're told that our next possible date would be he's going to talk about it our governor would be may 15th you know so there's a lot of questions that i had if we were to try to go back in for 15 to 20 days you know how do you handle bus routes when we're supposed to be 50 percent you know less people how do we handle food how do we handle you know the classrooms and 800 square foot of a room of separation for, you know, individuals. So, you know, besides that, it's also uh, papers that have been laying around, you know, supposedly it lays around on things for so long, but getting to the academic part, you know, our teachers, like I said, I think our teachers are doing an amazing job and they're doing everything they can to help propel our students forward. But, you know, that's one of the things we're talking about at the leadership level right now, and I hope we continue the guidance that we've been getting from our DOE, which has been wonderful, is to maybe give us some guidance on what we could do in the very beginning of the year. I'm thinking of like, you know, as, you know, like mini assessment test in a way. What do you know? What don't you know? And you know, what can we grow from? You know, and I also think about right now is how do we revamp our curriculums for next year and years to come? You know, like to your point, Greg, there are so many questions out there. You know, and then you have to think about, you know, not just from my level at, but also elsewhere. The families that said, the heck with it. I'm so stressed out working as a frontline responder. My kid's not doing any more academics. You know, he's done homeschooling for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, Or you have the other ones who parents are policing their kids so much that they're all stressing out and breaking down, Mm -hmm. you know, so... Not everybody has every resource at home. Not everybody has every luxury or privilege or multiple rooms or devices to be learning from. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's just going to be, you know, something we have to come together in each community and try to figure out what it works best for us, because ultimately we're concerned. I'm a father, you know, I'm an uncle, I, I'm a lead educator in its district. I'm concerned for every child to move forward, but I know damn well, our teachers are working harder than they have ever worked before. Trying to do everything possible to make it the best for these kids that they can, and you see some great stories across the country from when Hurricane Katrina wiped out those pools, you know, and they had nothing, and look where some of those individuals are now—you know, higher up in leadership and some amazing success stories. So, I think that's the one thing that I contribute to, at least our community, is just the attitude that they had to this, that they're resilient, you know, and I don't know what that had to do with the major hurricane that hit years ago that I was, a, you know, unfortunately had to deal with, but many people lost their homes and a lot of people lost a lot of things during that time and schools were shut down and things were flooded out, and no electricity and, you know, Brigantine, they couldn't even come back on the island, you know, until the president and the governor said it was okay. So you know, it's all about having that right mindset. It doesn't matter about all the tools in the world or everything else from curriculum, but you're the right mindset. I think we can come together and we can get through this and and help our kids all get through this together.
0: You know, as you're talking, I'm just sitting here kind of thinking about, you know, what would I do in terms of trying to, to plan for what's next? And let's just say that, uh, you know, obviously I don't think anybody's going to come back this year, but let's say maybe you come back in September and you get the, get the green light you know why couldn't you have a three-week corona boot camp and put everybody back where they where they finished and then just kind of go through you know if you think about an ed camp model just go through a three-week corona boot camp put everybody back where they're supposed to be and then you know do an assessment and then kind of figure out you know when everyone moves to the next grade level who says that we can only move at certain times um so i maybe a crazy idea but it would be something i would at least want to talk about
1: yeah it's, i think it's a great idea to be honest with you. But I think every state has its different um, issues that it has to deal with, different laws, different policies, different associations. Um, you know, there's, there's been talks for, you know, do you bring them back and they're in the same grade, or what you can't do, you know, or you know, you bring them back to the same teacher. Well, what about teacher retiring, you know? Um, but to your point, I think it's a great idea that you're gonna you know, try to see where the assessment level is. And you know, here's another question for you. What are you doing in the summertime? You know, do we provide some kind of like an online boot camp there? Uh, and or blended if we're allowed to slowly get back into there. But then you got to be mindful of the individuals who are by the time this thing is done this year, they need to be over with for a while mentally, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know before they jump back up into the computer again, because let's be honest, Zooms and, and Skypes and everything else, you do get tired after a while, you know, it's and that, that eats at you. So I think there's a, so many amazing ideas out there. And I think you even put a question out there, what are we doing to curate this? And what are we doing to generate a giant list of that? And I think now more than ever, it would be an incredible time to do something like that. You know, To have a giant open source and talk about all these great ideas. I was talking to two amazing superintendents that I highly respect yesterday about an idea similar to that. And just opening it up, you know, on Zoom talks to get all these other superintendents and principals involved, regardless of where you are, and just start open sourcing and sharing ideas about what will work in their schools and what wouldn't, you know, and instead of reinventing the wheel. Maybe there's, there's so many amazing districts out there that are doing so many progressive things right now that we could just ask them, How, what would you do to adjust this, you know, to help us out, you know. And I think, like I said, this is a human nature kind of a deal. Where we all have to come together as one on this and did it right
0: yeah and without without a doubt i think we need to be archiving what we're doing because that's the only way we're going to learn from the past and there are some great things happening out there some people doing very innovative things and then there are also people again having pain points and struggling and so uh you know they talk about maybe this coming back at some time or you know what if something else were to uh you know come up we just don't know what the future is going to hold but I, i really appreciate your time i always value your opinion i'm a big fan and as we kind of close things out, uh, as our time runs out, what advice do you have for superintendents or principals out there that have been going through this and maybe need a little bit of a pick-me-up? Maybe you can invite them to your next positivity session.
1: Well, that's, uh, that's simple enough. If they want to come join us, let me know. Send me an email at, uh school.org or hit me up on Twitter at GlenR1809. Heck, like I said, if they want to be one of my pick-me-up people, I would love to have them speak to my staff. We can go through a list and see what's what. Um, you know what? Every day you wake up, you get to smile. Every day is, a you know, like I said earlier about Robert Green, you have a live time and you have dead time. You know, it's almost like Seth Godin says. you can be bootstrapping right now. You're coming out of this with a brand new skill set or a brand new idea or you're just sitting there thinking about all the negativity, you know, so I see this, this challenge as a, a tremendous opportunity to really propel forward. You know, so instead of strategic planning, you know, why not strategic learning as we go forward? You know, what will September look like or January look like? Because to your point, Greg, this probably may happen again if there's a second wave. We don't know what the future entails, but we know one thing. Every day we get the best opportunity in the world to wake up and put smiles and educate the lives of so many others. And I can't think of a better job, you know, whether it's being remote or online, as you want to call it, or we can just call it learning. You know you're making relationships that are lasting a lifetime, and you're truly making a difference more than ever. So don't ever put yourself down. Remember that that you are someone's lighthouse and beacon that day that's lifting them up. So when you put a positive quote out there, you never know who's going to come back and say, "Thank you, I needed that." So for me, to all of you, and especially to my staff, thank you for all that you're doing, to my son's teacher, thank you for all that you're doing with him, because I know it's not easy, I know he's one of those kids that you have in your room, and I understand that, but thank you all, and just don't stop being amazing, each and every one of you.
0: Well, stay safe, my friend, and continue to lead the, the positive vibe there in your area, in your school district, you're doing great work, so thanks for being here, bud.
1: Thanks, Greg.
0: All right, folks, that's a wrap on this episode. Again, you want to follow Glenn Robbins. Follow him on Twitter at GlennR1809. Uh, Hit him up with an email if you want to pop into one of his positivity Zoom sessions uh, if you need a little pick-me-up. So that's it, folks. That's a wrap. And as always, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids.